Eternal Dirtles is a podcast sponsored by Paragon City Games and supporters like you. Come to our Patreon at patreon.com slash eternaldirtles and support us. Thanks. Stitcher Supplier is milling over three. Oh, good. Gacky, gacky, gacky. Sacrifice it to cabal therapy. Gacky, gacky, You know who's delving graveyards? None other. So can both them creatures then? No mana spent, subdelver. Cascack on the stack, gonna trample shit up. 8 8, don't play, true name shit out of luck. Van Hammer, did I stammer? RD done slipped up. We legacy in this necropolis is running amok. Black creatures, new features, straight up casting the gap. Convoking shit's broken, as a matter of fact. Your Karaka stops his nonsense in this moment for show. But this gacking's still gonna happen, your life totals no more. Opponent shrugging, they got nothing and conceding the game. It would serve y'all well to remember the name. Oh, Gak, he attacked, coming back for some more. His format shakeup isn't ready to get gacked to the floor. What you doing? Stop the brewing and start casting the gap. In the red zone, they all tremble because they're going to get smacked. Oh, by the way, I got supplier and this hasty bug gas. It's time to slip it. Check the box. Go enjoy some Shake Shack. Hello and welcome to Eternal Dirtles. I'm your host, Zach Lark. And with me as always, Nate Golia and Phil Blackman. How's it going, guys? Great. How you doing? Pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, you know, it's uh, it's... It's a slow week for uh, for Magic after the GP, but I think we've got a uh, we've got something special for you guys tonight. Phil, you there? You checked in? Oh yeah, I'm here. I'm ready. I'm I'm gonna be. I'm already taking studious notes. I'm ready to go. <laughs> All right. Well, let's let's not let's get right to it and introduce our guest, the reigning Legacy Grand Prix champion Cyrus Corman Gill, the People's Champion. Cyrus, hey, how you doing? Thanks for having me on. I'm doing you, definitely very good, better than I have done. I, I mean, yeah, just, I'm I'm doing the best. <laughs> it feels you're, really booking, good. you're booking travel to Italy. Look at this guy. I know, shoot, exciting. Are you are you strutting around with a championship belt over your shoulder? Oh, you know it. I actually I have my trophy. It's sitting right here on the floor next to my desk because I don't have anywhere to put it. Um, but I'm gonna get a shelf and I'm gonna put it on there, <laughs> and then then it'll be good. Use use your winnings to get a shelf. Yeah, well, yeah, good old IKEA shelf, yeah. something like that. That's the that's the whole tournament Ponzi scheme. Is it's really a, a, a pyramid uh, pyramid scheme to get shelves out there to people. Yeah, I'll have to find my SCG Open trophy too. I don't actually really know where it is, but it is somewhere. <laughs> that's a good way of saying. Is this is this more special than that in a way? Like it's an individual award or? I mean, um, not, that, that was I don't pretty want to, special because yeah. it was my first big win, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that was also a team tournament, so it's not that team tournaments aren't special, but it is nice to win something individually. Also, you feel like because I just did okay that tournament. Like I went 11-4 in the Swiss, which is definitely a good record. Or I went 9-4, two did not finish, but the, I was very far ahead in the two games that did not finish. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't know. This one, yeah, this one meant a lot more. There was a little bit more people, and it wasn't a team tournament, and you know, it's for kind of higher stakes a little bit qualify for the pro tour and stuff what about your background in athletics i mean because actually you have team and individual experience right because you played uh because you did track i think wasn't some of it team events some of it individual yeah so how track works is that you are technically part of a team um and you're they tally up the, the points that you score which is you know each person does their events and then kind of who, who has the highest scoring team wins. 
Uh, and so there's camaraderie in the sense that you practice with your team. I was I was a team I was the team captain for the yeah. the men's my my the men's team in college. Um, but it, it's not really, you know, it's not necessarily really a team sport. It's more about you're kind of just all there practicing together, and then you do your own individual thing. Uh, I never had a huge win in, in track, though. Like, I was I was good enough to go D1, and then I was basically the worst person in D1. Uh, and then, like, in junior college, I medaled at the California State Meet, which was an impressive thing. I got eighth place, so I top eight yeah. of that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, th- th- not not compared to this. This is definitely a, well, I was this is the biggest thing I've ever won. Right, because it's like you just have unique perspective having been in athletic competition where your individual score and your team score might be widely divergent in terms of the results. And well, then that's why I like track, because yeah. when I was in high school, I was also on the football team, and I was, I was pretty good at football. Like, I was team captain. Uh, they do, like, the all the awards at the end of the year in the newspaper and everything. I was the only person on my team to win all those awards, and I was in the all-star game and did good in that. And my team, like, won two games. <laughs> I was, like, out of, out of ten. <laughs> And I remember thinking, I'm just like, man, this sucks. Uh, I wish that this was not the case. Like, so I'm going to focus on track. And then I won the whole, like, Northern California meet or whatever for track when I was a senior in high school. So I definitely kind of prefer individual things because, I, I don't know, I'm pretty hard on myself and I don't ever want to be hard on my teammates, you know. Like, I get frustrated with my own performance, but I don't ever want to feel, like, crummy towards my teammates. And it, it is nice, though, in terms of, like, relieving the stress, like, <clears throat> It, it was nice when I kind of lost and the if I lost in the open, just look over. I'm like, hey, well, hope you guys got this. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. And it seems like they did if you were able to, uh, you know, take the thing down, right? Yeah. Well, 11-4 did top eight that tournament. Uh, yeah. So I guess I would have individually top eighted because it was a smaller tournament based on being a team tournament. Yeah. But they definitely won two matches that I that I lost. Uh, so our, our, our we kind of had our we all win 11-4 I think. So our wins and losses yeah. lined up nicely. Yeah. But that was forever. I mean, that was like yeah. almost right. a year ago now. Well. Let's, yeah, we're going to take a trip down memory lane a bit, I think, because I think, you know, you, you were on with Lawrence and talked a lot about strategy and stuff like that on that. And, you know, one of the things about your win that, you know, has been sort of a, a secondary plot other than to your like obvious mastery of the storm archetype and amp deck in particular is the sort of journey you've been on over the past year or so with magic and with the deck. And I mean, you know, I remember the finals, I remember the top eight of Eternal Weekend, the announcement that, you know, it was one of those things where like you were definitely the crowd favorite going in. Yeah, I was undefeated. I didn't lose until the finals. Yeah. Didn't lose until the finals. And then the finals, I just, I remember because I watched on the plane and it was just like this horrible swing of variants, like a couple <laughs> blind counterbalance flips, a couple bad, or one bad ad nauseum, right? Well, and, yeah, sorry, keep going. That's not to take anything away from your opponent. I'm not trying to I'm just saying that was like it was it was pretty it was hard to watch <laughs> from my first from my seat. I remember that, you know. Yeah, I mean it was hard then, for my seat too. Yeah. <laughs> um and then um was the the Star City was after that, right? Maybe even the week after? I think it was two weeks after, I think. Because it was later in, I remember it was close to Thanksgiving because I couldn't go even though it was in Vegas and I was living nearby at the time. So you, you won that, and that was like a nice sort of, you know, bounce back from, you know, the the eternal weekend situation. And then uh, just following, you know, talking to you over the past next few months, eventually uh, War of the Spark is released, and Narset and Karn come out. And I think you've mentioned, and again, multiple times about how you don't feel these cards are really good for Storm to face, right? Oh, yeah, to they're the point super good again. Well, the difference yeah. is that, like, people are always saying cards, like, there's that new card, Death Ink Silence, where everyone's like, 
um, oh, this card is going to be what kills Storm. But that's not really how it works, because just the way you build a magic deck is there's a finite number of cards in your 75 that you can play for each matchup. So yep. if Deafening Silence is replacing Aethersworn Canonist, it's, it's a very marginal improvement. The problem with Narset and Karn is that they were improving cards that were previously essentially blank cards against Storm, you know? Yep. Like, so suddenly people got to main deck hate, in, and they were in your two worst matchups, which was Counterbalance, Miracles, and uh, Chalice decks. And so suddenly your two worst matchups had cards that were really good against you, that were replacing cards that probably weren't very good, and they were way more popular. So Storm, I, I thought Storm was never going to be good again. I, I just straight up thought the deck was unplayable. I started selling my cards, uh, bought an entire new deck, which I know we're going to talk about. Yeah, you, you played Death and Taxes, right? You're yeah, I bought the whole deck in paper. Yep. That's right. Did you play that at uh, any of the CFB4Ks or anything like that coming up? Uh, no. I haven't actually been going to those as much just because I was a little bit more focused on trying to qualify for the Pro Tour this last year. Uh -huh. uh, and so on the weekends, I was oftentimes playing PTQs. So. Oh, that's another, yeah, that was another thing. You were playing Modern, you were playing Standard and Limited. And talk, and yeah. we were, and I mean, a lot of people have been there, and you know, on, on all sides of, for all sorts of reasons, talking about just, you know, once War of the Spark came out, uh, Karn just, you know, Karn and Vintage was just such a disaster. Mystic yeah, Forge I wrote an article and, about Karn and Vintage, actually, and I yeah. top forward the uh, Team SCG in uh, Roanoke, the Vintage SCG, uh, with that deck, and wrote an article about it, and it was so, I had to stop playing Vintage, because the games were just so terrible. Like, you just, yeah. I mean, Vintage is a, you play Vintage because it's a degenerate format. Like, people are like, People get mad about like Black Lotus and stuff. You play because it's fun to go Black Lotus, Jason yeah. White Sculptor sometimes, <laughs> you know. But every game was just compare your opening hand and, and whoever has the better one wins. And that that to me is not that's yeah. just not what I like. Yeah. Phil, who's going to the who's washing the dishes? <laughs> I think Phil is. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, I mean, I, when I when I played in a at a the last vintage tournament I, I went to. Uh, yeah, I lost most of my matches to, uh, like, a turn to Mystic Forge. Yeah, but now it's restricted and Karn's restricted, so right, I'm looking yeah. forward to... I actually top-aided the Vintage Challenge this last weekend with uh, Storm, but that was the first Magic I played since the, uh, the, the GP, but, um, yeah, so, that's so, it. So, yeah, so Vintage is bad, uh, just bad gameplay, and Legacy, it's tough for your favorite deck, and you're playing D&T. Was your heart in it? With D&T the same way it is with Storm? And oh, yeah, well, I just... So the thing about me and Magic is I don't actually really like combo decks. I think combo decks are kind of lame and boring. Like, I, I, all I care about is I want to make the most number of decisions per match. And I like to play decks that are, like, mechanically kind of difficult just because I play so much Magic that, to me, it's fun playing a deck that, like, gets to do a lot of, like, things that you have to just practice, you know, like playing Storm. Um and Death and Taxes is like that. It, 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 to me, it just made the most decisions in every matchup. Like, against every deck, you make so many decisions on how to spend your mana. And I like combat math and creatures and stuff. Like, I play Limited, and I've played Magic for 15 years, and most of that has not been playing Storm. That's only been the last few years. So I felt I had an edge over my opponents in the combat step uh, in knowing the format, because you need to know the format with Death and Taxes. You need to be proactive with your hate pieces. Mm -hmm. uh, and the community is really great. Like, I Skyped some leagues with Vara, who's a you know awesome Death and Taxes player, uh, XJ Cloud is a really good Death and Taxes player. I kept asking him questions. One of my really good friends, Alan Wu, won the Pro Tour with Death and Taxes. So I was having a ton of fun. Uh, but then Modern Horizons came out, and right. I was suddenly not having fun. Right. Plague Engineer and Renin 6 just throw a huge monkey wrench into Death and Taxes, and in a sort of twist of irony, create the environment that your the way you build and play Storm really thrives in, which is just this four-color morass of blue decks. If that is that accurate? Yeah, you know so I was actually just kind of fed up with Legacy. 
Had you uh, already sold your storm cards that you were, you were chatting about before? I sold a few of the foils. Horizons, or you just like... I, I have my deck is all foiled out and signed and black bordered, so I sold some of the foils because I also just didn't have a ton of cash at the time, so I sold some cards, traded some cards in, bought some cards, you know, like just kind of yeah. moved stuff around and wanted some extra money. But I still have the deck, you know, foiled out and everything. I just sold a few things. Um, yeah, so I was just kind of fed up with Legacy. Like, I know Julian on... Uh, their, their podcast, uh, they asked me to come on and talk about Legacy, and I was like, honestly, I just don't like Legacy right now, and if you have me on, it's not going to be a good experience for anyone, because I don't want to talk about this format. Like, it's just not fun uh, for me at the time. And I was just so frustrated, because you have to think, from my perspective, I was thinking, okay, you know, like, this happens with a lot of decks in Legacy, like Goblins or something. Like, that was the best deck for a really long time, and then new cards come out, and the format changes, and then it kind of is not as good anymore. And here's this deck, Storm, that I had put so much time into, like, countless hours of my life, basically. Like, my entire senior year of college, like, my jaw was I played Moto with Storm. Yep. Um, and then it's like, oh, well, you know, the format has changed. Like, suddenly there was Narset and Karn, and I was just thinking, I'm like, I don't really know how the format could change to, to, to like, make this deck good again, because every deck has just gotten new cards, and Storm had gotten multiple cards banned out of it uh, since his Divine Top and Cataxium Probe. And, and new good cards have gotten printed, and people started building their decks differently. You know, people yeah. started playing more Flusterstorms, things like that. Uh, there was more permanent-based hate. Like, Daniel Goshel won the Grand Prix and was playing a bunch of Tormod scripts. So you started seeing Fair Blue decks playing way more permanent-based hate, which was way harder than, like, the three Surgical era of, of Legacy, which yep. was popular for a while. And I was just thinking, I'm like, okay, well, we had this, like, catastrophic change that was, like, cons of Tarkir level or something, you know, Return to Ravnica level where the whole format changed. What are the odds that happens again in any time soon? <laughs> Within three weeks. Yeah, no, just... no way Storm is ever going to be good again. I'm just going to build Death and Taxes because that deck just made the finals of the Grand Prix. It won the Pro Tour. It's a good deck. Uh, rewards putting in reps. It plays Magic that like is more similar to other formats. So while I'm playing Limited, I, I was playing uh, Humans Modern at the time. I'll be practicing combat math and, and things like that. Uh, and then, you know, joke's on me that the, the format did catastrophically change again like a month later. Um and I was playing Death and Taxes, and I was just like, okay, well, one, I'm still learning this deck, but when you're learning the deck and your opponent just goes red and six minus kill your mother runes, and you're looking at your hand of, like, Thalia and to Wasteland, and you're like, yeah. oh, my God, this is the worst. Uh, and then they Plague Engineer you, and it's like, Delver is supposed to be one of your best matchups. And I felt like I was just an idiot because I couldn't beat Rug Delver with Death and Taxes, and every DNT player I talked to was like, yeah, that match was a buy. I don't know what you're doing wrong. We later found out that it was not necessarily a buy. Run six is, is very strong against Death and Taxes, but I just felt bad. Like, I felt like just dumb yeah. and then i was just like okay i'm just not gonna play legacy anymore this sucks um and then i was just kind of sitting there and it was like three in the morning and i was like you know what all these decks are just like tapping out for brennan six and a plague engineer and i'm like there's no way these decks can ever be ant and then i like brewed up a list and i think i tweeted it out i think it was at like three it's almost four in the morning i tweeted out a list and i was like here's my ant list post veil of summer ant like i'd even tweeted out that i wasn't gonna be working on ant or updating my cyborg yeah. anymore and then i was like and then I was like, I woke up in the morning and I like mapped out the list and I was like, oh, this actually seems reasonable. And I played it and I think I 5 0 and I was like, okay, sick, but also I'm not really enjoying Magic right now. And World of Warcraft Classic was coming out, so I just played a bunch of World of Warcraft and I have a girlfriend. I recently got a girlfriend like a month ago and uh, started hanging out with her more uh, and just doing other stuff. I was like, I just don't really want to play Magic. And I played a few leagues and then I was like, oh, there's the Moto PTQ that'll be good practice for this Grand Prix I already paid for. I even actually tweeted out like the day before the PTQ because I ran a league and lost to Ramator like three times. And I was just like, I don't even really know if I really want to play Legacy anymore. Like, every league I play is just really... Like, uh, I know at, um, what do you call it? At, at GP Vegas, I played the PTQ there. And I went 4-2, uh -huh. and, and all four of my game losses were to turn one Crystal Brand, I think. 
And I was like, that was just the worst. Like, I mean, it's cool to win on turn one sometimes. Like, I, it's part of the format. But if it's if it's the only thing your deck does, I just get kind of bored. Um, anyway, so I was just tweeting out, like, I don't really want to play Legacy anymore. I think that Eternal Weekend is probably my last event because I just feel like I owe it to everyone and myself to go. And then I deleted the tweet because I'm trying to be less negative on Twitter. I know that was, I was criticism. Uh, I in fact, I was about to I was about to text you when I saw that, and then it was gone. Yeah, yeah. So I was I, I tried to be a little bit less negative on Twitter because just no one needs to read that, you know. And part of it's just me venting. But yeah. it's like my Twitter's grown a lot in the last year or something. Like I I used to have just like a few hundred followers like my friends, you know. And now yeah. it's like thousands of people follow like you know whatever two thousand people follow me. And so I have to be a little bit more monitored with what I share because it used to be that I was just kind of stream of consciousness like. F Crystal Brand, F Legacy, F stupid people who salt on me in chat, you know, which was not a good thing to say anyways, but it was like if I was just talking to my friends, I had a few people following me. Uh, and then now I have like thousands of people looking at that. So I'm, I'm trying to be a little bit more positive and less toxic in my life in yeah. general, including on social media. Uh, and then I made the finals of the PTQ, which was crazy. Uh, you know, I just played against tons of Delver, and that deck is just not good against Storm right now, the way it's constructed. So I forget what the initial question was, but yeah. Uh, that my was kind question of like was, my question was, were you like into it with DMT? And then this is, it became, yes, I was. But then once I realized Storm was good again, yeah, <laughs> I was, I was yeah, happy to play it. How you felt about DMT uh, after Renin Six is how I felt playing Rug Delver after uh, Treasure Cruise came out against Blue Red Delver. I was like, why am I losing all the time? This is supposed to be a buy. Yeah, because you have like you're like oh I have Tarmogoyf like yeah how does this like, ever beat Tarmogoyf? <laughs> but then it's like oh wait you're just playing at something the format's just changed and you haven't realized it yet. Yeah. Um, but now Ray Rug Delver's back on top made the finals of the Grand Prix it's crazy. Yeah, I think definitely the best deck in the format. Um, extremely like, extremely difficult to beat these days. Yes. Yeah. Um, it does have one really bad matchup I'll tell you that though which is Storm. <laughs> yeah, I mean. What Austin was able to do in the finals in the one game he won was assemble, what, like three one-ofs with a one-of at hand? Uh, like, I only lost that game because I had to draw Infernal Tutor. I don't want to take anything away from Austin, but I was literally on, like, a six-turn window to draw Infernal Tutor and just win the game, and I bricked on every draw step, and I drew, like, six lands in a row. Oh. So, well, he had, like, he, what him, did he have? playing the lock pieces yeah. was not necessarily relevant to the game. Like, I was able to just naturally kill a Tendrils of Agony from that position. Yeah. I didn't need I, the no rock grafters cage and cinder vines were not relevant. It was more that I never drew infernal tutor. Um, but yeah, that that is the best way to beat storm. It was just that game. My hand was insane. Like it was like triple discard all rituals, and then I just need to draw and then like two cantrips and I just never drew infernal tutor. Yeah, I re I remember at the Grand Prix. Uh, I don't know if I said this to Phil or not or Tim or anyone I was with, but I was like at some point I think you told me that you had beaten Red Prison and some other matchup that was pretty bad. Maybe it was like Eldrazi or some colorless deck in a row. And then I was like, I don't think, I can't imagine anyone but Cyrus winning this Grand Prix at this point. Like, who's going to beat? <laughs> and I, I, that sounds like blowing smoke, but I was sort of like, I can't imagine. Because, like, I, I, I just felt like you had this this um, deck and this plan against against the rug decks that were so, that was so good. that And that seemed to be what was rising to the top every time I looked at the top tables it was you know these kinds of dirtily rug and just guy blue decks and i just couldn't see i just couldn't see it happening another way and i think i went to say hi to you and you looked very concentrative and i was like i'm just gonna leave him alone and then when you made top eight i said to phil if you want to get him on the podcast you got to ask him because i can't break myself to do it but if he wins because he's gonna be too happy <laughs> you know i can't yeah. bring myself to like take my take you out of that in that moment so. Oh, yeah, you can always talk to me. I mean, a I, I, few, few things. So, 
to be candid is is one thing is that uh, I, I was on Leaving a Legacy yesterday, and so I would that was more of a so I kind of went over like the theory with Lawrence, and then I actually went over the full tournament with Leaving a Legacy, so mm-hmm. yeah. I won't get into that too much. But yeah, so I, I came off my buys. I had to play against someone who beat me in the PTQ the day before on Sneak and Show. Uh, pretty good matchup for me though, so I was able to win it this time. Uh, and then I had to play against uh, humans, which is just a terrible matchup. Humans was it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I like ended up. My opponent thought I was in snow control because my snow basics. Uh, and then I they misnamed Metal Mage game two. Uh, and then game three they Metal Mage Infernal Tutor, and I had my one up Dark Petition, and I was like, you couldn't draw it up. You know how, how lucky yeah, yeah. can you be? Yeah. Uh, and then I had to play against Red Prison, where they needed to break on like three or four draw steps games one and three, and they did. And then I was suddenly five with the Grand Prix. And then I had to play against Rip Helm Bant with, like, three Veil Summers, which is another pretty tough matchup, but I, I just kind of drew well my opponent mold to five. Uh, and then I was like, okay, it literally cannot get worse than this, you know? Like, I played against three really tough matchups, and then it was, like, Four Color Snow and Turbo Depths, which are really good matchups. And then I got to start the Rug Gauntlet. So end of day one, I actually played against Austin, my finals opponent. We played for the 9-0 match at table one. So we were at table one the last round of day one and day two. So it says a lot about Austin that he was able to, you know lose and then bounce back and get all the way to the finals, which is awesome. He's a really great match player, great guy. Um, yeah, so, and then I heard the Rug Gauntlet, and then I 6 0 Rug Delbert games after that. Uh, and suddenly was undefeated. Uh, last undefeated, and then I lost to Burn, and I was like, uh, which just happens. Um, and then got another really good matchup for my first, what I thought was a winning in in Turbo Depths. Uh, and then I ended up getting the pair down and getting paired against Jeskai Mentor, which is another really good matchup, and then that was so I basically had bad matchups to start off, like the three rounds in the middle, kind of day one. Yeah. Uh, but after that, I was like, I I felt pretty confident in my deck choice, just because the thing about Storm is that your bad matchups are decks that are like, you can't make decisions against so much, which are like decks that kill you on turn one, uh, which are not necessarily bad matchups. It's just not a place you can leverage skill, which is what I dislike about it. Uh, and then Chalice decks are just terrible. Like, you almost never beat Chalice decks or humans. Yeah. Uh, and I felt like if I could get, you know. It's just like any combo deck, like a deck that's meant to prey on the fair blue decks. If you could just kind of get past that hump, you're going to have pretty smooth sailing. And that, that was definitely what happened. So, uh, and then they announced the top eight, and I looked, it was like two Turbo Depths, two Rug Delver, uh, Jeskai Mentor with no counterbalance, Burn, Hogak, and me. And I was just thinking, I'm like, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I'm, I'm the one seed, so I'm on the play the whole top eight. And if you just ran like a simulation of this top eight, I felt pretty confident that Storm was the best position deck. Obviously, you need to play the games, and I had to beat some really, really good opponents um, along the way and, and get moder- You know, I did get lucky along the way. Um, but yeah, I, I felt like, you know, I, I felt like I could win the Grand Prix, um, and I was so nervous because I actually finished my quarterfinal. I finished my semifinals match before the other side of the brackets quarterfinals had finished. So I had to just sit there for like an hour and a half. I so saw that. Oh. In the finals. <laughs> I, I, I saw just, you were just like hanging out by the table where they were playing with your yeah, headphones on, just like just like hanging out. And I'm like, dude, like that has got to be agony. But like, walk away. <laughs> yeah, well, I was so sure I was going to play against Turbo Depths uh, because that match was pretty good for Turbo Depths. Turbo Depths versus Rug Delver. And also the Rug Delver player like punted game two. And then like, but I didn't realize the life totals. He like put himself in a position where he had to flip Delver to win the game. But I didn't realize his opponent was at three and he had two Delvers. So I thought he just threw away the match. Uh, he made like a weird mistake with like Krakus and Crop Rotation, which are not cards that I would expect Rug Delver players to be playing with all the time. So, you know, and it's also a little long. I miss I miss Lethal in a semi my semifinals match. I miss Lethal against Burn. I like made 18 goblins when I could have just tackled him for 20. So it happened. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but I was so stressed out. And like, I don't know, like I was texting my family and stuff and just like listening to music, trying to be in the zone and just thinking, I'm like, 
I don't know. It's hard because, like, you talk, you brought up Eternal Weekend. It's like the thing is, is so many people were like behind me for that, and that was my first big top eight. I'd never top eighted something like that before, you know. I yeah. like well at like a hundred person events, but not something huge like Eternal Weekend. And so many, I was undefeated. They kept interviewing me, and so many people were tweeting at me, and I was just thinking, I was so nervous and stressed out, and there's so much pressure on me. And um, oh yeah, the thing about Eternal Weekend, I actually I don't know if you know this, but I, I miss Lethal Game Three. That's kind of. I, that I was a, that was when the internet was getting dicey on the plane. I do I do remember that happening. Yes. Yeah. But, so I um, I actually missed lethal. So that was the thing. Is like I, yeah, my opponent got fairly lucky and I got fairly unlucky. And I mean, what that happens is magic. Uh, and then he made a huge game losing punt that put himself dead to known information. And then I just punted back and lost the match. And it was like I just couldn't stop thinking about that. Like, I mean, it was round twenty nine. You know, that's the thing is yeah. I, I lost my winning in I won a trial. Lost my win in an advantage and then went undefeated to the finals of Legacy. So it was that was my 29th match of the weekend, and I was just so freaking tired. Um, yeah. Well, I, I think I think you know that's the thing that you know where we're trying to find our, our niche for the conversation here is just like I, I thought about that too. Like, is he feeling pressure? There's a lot. There's a lot of people here. You know, he's got a lot of people here rooting for him. You know, um, and probably feels that a little bit. And I just was like, I was you know, but I still <laughs> tried not to like overly like i don't want to call people like hey man i think you can win this because i didn't want to put more pressure yeah on yeah you know, oh yeah so that, many that people is. were saying that to me on twitter and in person i had to put my phone on airplane mode because i was getting so many notifications like yeah. everyone like every time i tweeted people were like Tyrus is gonna win the gp please close please win it uh it was please kind of close. Nice. yeah oh that's got that's what i was i was just like i don't want to you know i couldn't imagine hearing something like that in yeah. your position i didn't just want to be alone uh, because of the, because of the like I said this journey you have been sort of been on to the the high and then the the down and then up again and then down again and up again. Like, yeah, I mean I, I, was just, it was, I think it was satisfying for all involved and especially so for you. I so. used to physically shake at F and M's as a kid, so I can't even imagine. Uh, <laughs> you know, like that's yeah, I was shaking. So much I, I, I used to shake pretty bad too. Yeah, I have anxiety. Oh, I remember I remember the the so. prize split vote when I like top aided Eternal Travaganza. <laughs> I was like, oh my god, what am I doing? And you know, it was the same same sort of deal, you know. Um, but so yeah, so, so you win. Go ahead, Phil. Uh, thanks. I, I just wanted to ask, when you were feeling uh, like that kind of uh, nervous energy and that kind of pressure on top of you because everybody's, uh, you know, saying things like "please close," uh, that those nerves ended up like do those nerves end up getting to you, or do uh, are there reps that you've done with the deck, the thousands of hours of reps, do you notice that you fall back on just like natural mechanics to make up that difference? Or do you consciously have to go, okay, I don't, I'm going to try and just overcome this nervousness and play. Um, well, I have a lot of good coping mechanisms. So I was mentioning earlier, I have PTSD. So it's like, I have to have gone to a lot of therapy to deal with just kind of being in situations that are high stress because, you know, my body naturally puts itself just in stressful situations um, that are not necessarily actually stressful kind of thing. Uh, so I, I have like good coping mechanisms and, and was doing that a little bit. Like I, I was stretching and listening to music and doing deep breaths and stuff. And, uh, but still it's tough. Uh, I don't think about the end of a grand prix is everyone's on autopilot mode. Like you're not playing your best magic, you know, at 8 PM or whatever on a Sunday night after you've played 17 previous rounds that weekend yeah. and you're on a time zone change and, you know, you're playing for literally thousands of dollars and multiple pro tour invites and a trophy and like everyone's, no one's playing their best magic then. So um, I was, yeah, I, I played so much of the deck that I can definitely autopilot it, but I was just thinking, I remember an eternal weekend, what I thought afterwards was, 
come on, dude, you just had to hold it together for like saying to myself, I just, you just had to hold it together for one more turn. You just had to pause and say, do I have a way to win this game? Instead, I made the autopilot play. And I abrupticate, you know, I, I, I cast an abrupticate of thought that made no sense and lost because of it. And I just remember thinking, I'm like, this time just hold it together. Like, this is the last match you have to play this weekend. Just stay in the zone. So um, I, I think that I was able to focus for the most part. I really tried to do, you know, get good sleep. Uh, really shout out to my, my people I've roomed with, who one of them is a pretty bad snorer. And he <laughs> volunteered to sleep out in like a different room uh, so that I could get sleep that night, which was which was really nice of him. Um, and yeah, I, I try to eat well, uh, stay hydrated and listen to music and not talk to people during the tournament too much. And I put my phone on airplane mode. So, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, part of it was autopilot, but part find, of it was just I felt like I was prepared to, you know, I was there to win. So, yeah, I find that being in the same situation again will really sharpen you as well, too. Like, you know, you're you know, you've been there before. So all you all you need to do is be like, set yourself aside and say, like, OK, I can do this. I need to I need to just focus for like just X amount of more time. And that generally is the sort of thing that will help you move on. Yeah, and I mean, Rob Delver is a deck I've played the most in Legacy that's not Storm. So yeah. it's like, I've played that deck for multiple years, and how many times have I played that matchup from both sides? And I I was, at that point, 6-0 in games against it in the tournament. I knew I could beat it, you know? Yeah. It just, the best thing about Magic is you never deserve to win or going to win it's, it, every time. So I knew I had to play tight and get a little lucky, and I, I did. My, my opponent did not draw the best games 1-3, and three, so, uh, and I, I drew pretty well. So I got there with 8 gods. <laughs> so... Yeah, I mean, and it was great, you know, like, um, you know, to see um, Michael, and I don't know your other friend's names, I'm sorry, but I, we, we know Michael, he's been on the show, uh, nice kid, and he was, I, I remember, like, okay, well, I played in the PTQ that day, it was going to the top eight, I'd finished my last round, and I was like, oh, I can't really see, but I have nothing else to do, I'm gonna go over there and watch, and I couldn't see, and then I, all I could see was was uh, Michael's face during game one, he just turns around and he goes, he's got it. He didn't say it like that, but was like, you know, just like that. I could read his, you know, what, his, what he was saying. And it's just like, wow, this is like really going to happen for, for Cyrus and, and these guys. And it was it was great, you know, to see it happen, you know, and watch it from that perspective. It's like, obviously, the ability to watch magic was not happening from my position, you know. So, yeah, you can't, uh, you can't cool see it from there. But I think Shadow Fireball does as good of a job with coverage as the tools they're provided by Watsi, I think. I think that the woman who did coverage this weekend did a wonderful job uh, and on the Twitter and everything. But, yeah, that's obviously not the ideal situation to be able to watch the match. Um, yeah. Well, Phil yeah, was, well, yeah, Phil was watching the other top eight, right? I think, I don't know if you, I think Phil and Sam kept coming over and asking me, what's going on? And I said, well, I think they're playing. I don't know, like... Uh, Cyrus won game one. Well, I'm pretty vocal, which two. helps. I say I talk a lot when I play, so that can be. Yeah. I think that's good for spectators. Uh, yeah. No, not I don't put down my opponent or anything, but I just talk about the match and what's going on. Um, yeah. No, I was just I was just saying that like you know because of the you know sort of unique vagaries of the the setup there, it was it was fun to see you know how excited that your that your friends were for you, your closer friends were to you. And then you brought him right up for the picture after, which I thought was really nice, uh, really nice gesture, and definitely something that I that I would do in that same situation, even though Zach and Phil and Tim and and no one really liked my deck ideas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, it was it was it's honestly just a pretty surreal thing playing in the top eight of a tournament like that because like it just feels like an almost out of body experience. Like the the hard thing is winning thirteen out of fifteen matches. You know, like that yeah. is an unreal amount of matches that you just have everything has to go right for you. Yeah. And then it's like, okay, well, I just got a 3-0, you know, whatever. And then, but some people I think are just happy to be there. To me, it's like, that's what you're playing for. I, I wanted, 
that's when the tournament starts for me. So yeah. I was just trying to just say, well, I've 3 0 tournaments before. You know, why not now? And you can't, it's like kind of like if you're like climbing a cliff, you can't like look down, like how many matches I've already won this weekend, how unlikely is that I'll win three more. You can't look up. You just have to focus at that moment. That's what I tried to do. But I remember like game two of the semifinals, uh, I just had an insane hand. My hand was like Lions of Diamond, Infernal Tutor, Lotus Pedal. And I'm just, I'm on the draw, game two against Burn. I won game one. I'm like, if I just draw Dark Ritual, I just, I'm like, fucking making the finals. This is Grand Prix. This my footage goes turn one, Goblin Guide, attack, trigger, reveal Dark Ritual. And then I knew it was in the oh, finals. Was <laughs> this was the uh, uh, play a land, play your two, uh, play a Lotus, play a uh, Lion's Eye Diamond, and then bounce it, uh, bounce them both with uh, uh, chain, chain uh, a Vapor. Yeah, play? so uh, my, my line was I went land, pedal, LED, chain of Vapor, Lotus Pedal, sack a land, chain of Vapor, LED. Lotus Petal, LED, Dark Ritual, Infernal Tutor for M to the Warrens. But what I actually missed there is I actually gave myself Threshold while doing I think I maybe had Threshold because I was on the draw with a fetch, and I think I could have maybe won with... Uh, I had a Cabal Ritual. So because Chain of Vapor gave me Threshold by sacking my own lands, I could have done a Pass and Flames loop, and I just wasn't even thinking about it because oh. I was... I mean, I was just on... I was on autopilot to a degree. I was nervous, and Burn doesn't beat 18 Goblins almost ever anyways. It's hard for them to have a a turn three kill without creatures, but they, they could. So it was a, it was a mistake. Um, I, I should have just gone for the guaranteed win. Still, turn it's, three it's a kill. ridiculous, uh, a ridiculous chain of chain of cards that I would I would never have uh, noticed had I not heard about it. I was just like, wow, that's crazy. Yeah, well, the thing is, you just put yourself in so many situations. And when I streamed, that was pretty helpful for me. Because yeah. if I ever miss lethal, people would be like, hey, yeah, you're idiot, no. you miss lethal, and I'd be like, you know what, you're right. Now I'm not gonna miss it next time. Thanks. Yeah. Um, and then the finals, my opening hand game three was uh, four lands. So it was like two fetches, an underground sea, and an island or something. Uh, thought seize, dark ritual, empty the warrens. And then that's keep, you know. And I just remember thinking, I'm like, if I just thought seize my opponent and they don't have a creature, I just win this Grand Prix, basically, you know. And I thought seize them in their hand. They showed me a hand of like two spell snares, a force of will, a spell pierce, a daze, uh, and like two lands. And I just remember thinking, look at my opponent's hand of five counter spells, nothing, no cantrips, no creatures. I'm like, I just won the Grand Prix, basically. And then I, unless they draw Delver. And then I hand their deck, you know, they, they fetch or something, and I'm like, is that the Delver? And they're like, no. And then uh, I made the eight goblins on, like, turn three, and I was just like, we both knew they had the one out of Engineer Explosives, and I was like, all right, you gotta, you gotta flip it, and then, uh, or whatever, and then it was a daze, and then they extended their hand, and it was just... You, you kind of just, it, it's kind of out of your hands at that point. Like, you've played the deck enough times, it's like, especially making goblins, you're just like, well, if I lose this game, it's because my opponent draws their one of. Let's yeah. fucking make them yeah. have it. Yeah, right. Uh, um, and then, yeah, about Michael, uh, yeah, so we actually started playing the deck together. I don't know if people know this, but Michael uh, Clifford and I, Cliffy81, who won the Legacy PTQ and Moto with Storm a while ago, um, he, he, we're, from the, we're both from, lived in Santa Rosa area, uh, California, Northern, Northern California. And so we actually, he, at my very first ever Legacy tournament, I played against Michael a weekly, and then we became friends kind of after that. And we started playing Storm at like the same time, but he played it a little bit longer than me. So we would Skype uh, Cockatrice matches, and he would kind of try to explain the deck to me. And you, it's funny, you can look at our old messages. I'm just like, I don't know. I think I'm too dumb to play this deck. Kind of <laughs> like, I, I'm not really good at arithmetic. And he's like, dude, it's not really arithmetic. It's like counting to six. You can do that or whatever. <laughs> like, And then we would Skype matches. And so we've actually worked on the deck for since we both started playing it basically the last like three-ish years. So, yeah. Um, and then, you, yeah, because, uh, yeah, I remember you told him, uh, told us to interview him when he won that, when he won that PTQ. So, uh, oh, yeah, he's awesome. Nice. He's really smart. Okay. Um. Do you guys have any questions about the tournament, Zach and Phil? Uh, I have a couple. We have a couple follow-ups on some other stuff, but, you know, this has been really great. And really just, I think, you know, what I was hoping to get from you, because, you know, I know a lot of people just, like, straight up, like, how did you win? What cards did you play? But, like, 
I mean, it, it's a, it's such a great moment for a Magic player, and I think that you know, oh, done a great job true. of showing that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I was really crying when I won my winning in. Like, <laughs> I could, I, I like daydream about this dream night dream. I would just dream about this all the time since I was like eight years old. You know, I've always wanted to qualify for the pro tour. Like, you know, everyone was eight years old. They're like, what do you want to be when you grew up? And I was like, oh, I want to play professional magic. Like, and <laughs> I, I've always, I don't know. It kind of sucked to lose in the finals, of the PTQ. And I was like, maybe that was my only chance or whatever. Um, but you just got to put yourself in positions to kind of get lucky. And I, I was doing that and yeah, it, it was just, yeah, a dream come true. So are you going to stick with Ant now? Have you, or are you considering, you know, I mean, Eternal Weekend's coming up, and you're playing in Bologna, right? So yeah, I'm definitely gonna different. play. I don't really play a ton of Legacy anymore. Um, the the thing is that playing leagues makes me pretty pretty, pretty unhappy. Like, I, it's one thing I came to realize. Uh, and interacting with Legacy players also makes me pretty unhappy. As much as much as we talk about how great the Legacy community is, I actually pretty strongly disagree with that. I, I think a lot of people are extremely toxic and negative, and especially in the the Magic the Gathering online community and and some of the streamers. Uh, and, and there's a lot of put downs and there's a lot of really toxic people in the community that if you, that, you know, that for some reason are propped up because they're, they have friends in the community that have been friends with them for a long time. So I actually kind of have disengaged from the legacy community and the people that play it. I, I think all of you all are, are great, obviously, and there's, <laughs> there's tons of great people. Um, but I had a lot of kind of really bad experiences and was, I think kind of degraded or like a, you know, I don't know, made me feel bad about myself and kind of making my mental health worse. Uh, and I was just pretty unhappy. So I, I don't actually don't play a ton of Legacy anymore. Um, just because, it, like I said, it, it kind of just makes you unhappy to play, like, Moto or or interact with people who do play Moto. But I, I, I like to play the big tournaments because my friends do go. And the great thing about being in real life is that you get to choose who you interact with. There's faces <laughs> popping yes. up on Facebook. If you don't want to talk to, like, all weekend, like, uh, like I kept seeing Nate. And Nate's always smiling. And he's like, man, I'm, I just lost a true name nemesis. F that card. Also, I got this big smile on my face. And then it makes me smile. Things like that. So it keeps me in a good mood. And I, I like playing the big tournaments. Also, I like winning. It's fun competing, you know? Like, the stakes in, like, a five-round league are not really that interesting to me anymore. I, I want to play the high-stakes things. And I want to I wanna just play interesting games of Magic against interesting people and stuff. So I play lots of other formats. But um, I just have played so much Ant that it wouldn't really make sense for me to play another deck at this point. Because yeah. I don't really like playing fair blue decks. I think, like, one thing that makes playing Legacy cool is you get to do kind of powerful different things. The same with Vintage. And it's not a powerful or interesting thing to go turn one tropical island play delver secrets that's just not fun to me but but i've done it a lot it just doesn't i don't know to me it's not what i came here to yeah. do yeah i, I want to get a lot to, un, a lot to unpack there about zach's fine i want to i want to validate what you're saying one because i think it's it's smart if you're if you're not having fun to to back off that's that's definitely the, the way to do it i think personally speaking i'm insulated in that like you know i've got phil i've got nate uh, the the New York uh, Legacy crew is is pretty great and and there's a lot of great people here and like you said when you get to choose who you play with, you know. Oh yeah, everyone gonna... in New York City is yeah. great. Like uh, <laughs> Sammy Rooks, you three. Yep. Uh, I, I think Ite is out there, right? Yep. Uh, yep. Yeah. Well, they're Sam, all, they're all... Sam Sammy Rooks is great. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> we need to put up. A... Yeah, like, but yeah, yeah, you know, I, I love all. The, I love all of. All of I, I'm certainly um, we're certainly spoiled uh, up here just because of the people that you know. Like I said, when you get to choose the people you play with, of course, you're gonna have a much better time. Um, but yeah, I think I think no, it's it's a it's a smart it's a smart mature option to to be like, hey, look, I'm not having fun doing this and backing away from it. It it, it makes complete sense. Yeah, that was kind of the secret to this tournament for me is I just didn't really play that much Magic. Like, I played a lot of Magic still. I played, like, all over 100 matches yeah. over, like, a three-month period or something, yeah. you know, four-month period. But to, compared to how much I used to play, averaging, 
you know, whatever, 10 matches a week is, is not, I used to play 50 matches every week. So to me, it's like, oh, I'll go to my weekly maybe because it's fun to see my friends and whatever. I won't take it that seriously. And then I'll maybe play a Moto League. And that was kind of what I was doing. Well, yeah, I wanted to, you know, just respond to a couple of things you said, because, you know, it is it is true about Magic Online, especially that it's that there's that remove from the, your opponent that you get used to. Right. And everyone's sort of online. And, you know, it's not the same. It's not you're not as invested in a local community uh, like, you know, Zach and Phil and, and I have been in New York or I was in Utah or here in Texas. Right. Um so there, I think there is a little bit, you know, and, and you're playing so much magic that it's almost like it's it's at your fingertips and it's almost like you kind of just get into that, you know, dark room playing magic mode and you're just snarky, you know. Um, on the other hand, it's the greatest place. It's the best place to, to practice. So it kind of Yeah, my sucks, friend Micah yeah. said something really smart that I saw where someone asked, hey, I really want to get better at Storm. I kind of want to play Moto, and Micah, who's a really good Storm pilot, uh, M. Lupa Moto, also known as Drissoff, he said, uh, getting Magic the Gathering online was the best thing ever for my skill at playing Magic and the worst thing for my enjoyment of the game. And that was kind of the same for me. Um, well, yeah, so it's like, I, I agree with you, it's the best way to get better, but wow, does it just kind of grind away at your mental health and enjoyment of the thing? Yeah, and I, I mean, it's, it's something that I have to sort of balance myself because, like, I don't I don't get to play. I mean, if I want to, like, practice something or I have an idea I want to jam through. I mean, I guess it sort of depends on, like, if you're, you know, uh, in your perspective on a, on a given league or a deck or something. Sometimes I just want to see if something's reasonably functional, you know. Yeah. Sometimes I am trying to win, and I can, and that, you know, I noticed my, I, I, I felt, that's how I felt about myself uh, going into the Grand Prix. And I also realized about myself that I don't really like Grand Prix. I don't know if I ever want to play 15 rounds that's what you're saying. Deck. It's just better to play the side events, kind of. It's like, yeah. the, the thing is, Grand Prix are actually really terrible value. It, it, unless you specifically care about top eighting at Grand Prix, it doesn't really make sense to play it at a Grand Prix weekend. It's pretty low life EV and monetary EV. Right. Like, and, Oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, you're good. I, I, that was basically all I had to say. Well, I think, what I was going to say was it's different for if someone in my age is 36 and someone is your age. I think you're 23 or 24, right? Yeah, 23. Yeah, and like, you know, I, so I want to talk about the Pro Tour in a minute, but like from my perspective... The long tournament that I want to play, like I want to play the Legacy Championship because for me to be 36 and be the Legacy Champion would be sweet, you know? Like that's cool. And even that, it's never going to be 15 rounds. It might be like 10 and then the top eight or something, you know? So it's not like as daunting at the outset. Um, but like, yeah, I just kind of like, I think that's fine. You know, like the Grand Prix is not is not where I get the most enjoyment playing Magic. I like going to Grand Prix and seeing the artists and buying cards and talking to people and playing six round PTQs. That's the best part of it, you know? For yeah, what? you don't get to so. experience the Grand Prix when you play the Grand Prix. That's yeah. the problem. Yeah, this Sam, is, this Sam is Craven always says that. Yeah. Sam Craven always says that. There's no worse thing you can do during a Grand Prix weekend than playing the Grand Prix. I, I think yeah. that he says any sanction match. One like. of the things about, like, about this game period is you should definitely play a Grand Prix. Like, for me, one of the biggest skill testers ever for me was just, like, being able to make a day two. Just, just something I wanted to check off my list is like a thing that I could do. I've wanted to do that since I was like 18 and, and I had started going to Grand Prix. I finally did that when I was like 34, you know? So get, getting to do that and checking that like off my box was cool. But like when we go to Grand Prix with, uh, especially before I was playing uh, Legacy as heavily, like we'd go with a bunch of people who played Limited or whatever and getting there with all your friends and kind of like checking in. If you have like a group of like 20 people, it's a blast, but yes, it's very low value. Yeah, it's justification. Yeah. yeah, like 
for me, it's like I've been very, very fortunate in Magic that the game has been net positive to me. I, I've made quite a bit more money playing Magic than I've put into Magic the Gathering cards uh, over whatever the 15 years I played the game since I was a little kid, you know. Uh, but that's that's not typical, and I've just I, I recognize how lucky I've gotten, and that part of that's that like is spiking a big tournament, you know, that gets you a ton of money, like a tournament weekend or an open or a GP or whatever, uh, moto events. So it's like, you you can't you have to treat it as just like a vacation, and that's what you want to do. And it's like I don't know if your vacation is you want to go sit in like a pretty crowded space and play Magic against people who are a little surly for like 15 rounds. That's something, but it's like not everyone loves that. I love competition, and more than anything, I wanted to win a Grand Prix. You know, like that was my dream. So. To me, it was like, yeah, I, I, I enjoy that. Like, I fly out just to do that, basically. But I recognize that also it's not a very fun environment. Like, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't get to go out drinking with my friends. I go to bed early. I'm like, things like that. That's not, <laughs> that's not really a vacation. Right. I, I mean, yeah, I, I think that, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, there's, there's definitely, like, an age, you know, the fact that you can and, and you know, we'll talk about the Pro Tour again. Yeah, I have a job. That, I think helps. Yeah. I'm, like, right. super privileged and um, basically in that, like, I've, I'm able to live at home still. And like, I'm 23. I, I graduated college. I went to, to, to UC Berkeley and then got a job with AmeriCorps uh, for a year contract. And I did that. I got my own place. And I was like, hey, wow, I live in the Bay Area. I literally cannot afford to pay 1000 to $1,500 a month for a tiny one-room thing. So um, I need to move back in with you. I told my family. And they're like, yeah. And then I'm like, okay, well, Magic's going like de- decently well for me right now, but I'm going to apply for a job. I was applying for jobs. And then I was like, they were like, you know what? Like, this is kind of the only chance you have in your life really to pursue magic. Why, why don't you just do that? Amen. Um, <laughs> that's, what I did with, that's what I did with, with metal. I did it for two years. Yeah, Didn't why not? Go to I mean, school. <laughs> yeah, you got two years to do it. Yeah. You got you got your it's like it's, you're never gonna have a better time in your life than when you're 20s to try and pursue your dream or whatever. And I'm not expecting to make a career out of it, but like maybe I get a job at Watts or something that'd be cool. Or like write some articles. Uh, I wrote an article for Channel Fireball that should be up soon. That, that's like a, that's awesome. I love Channel Fireball. It's my local game store. Um, and then I'm gonna have my face on their fucking website, which would be sweet. Um, but yeah, to me, it's like my family is very supportive. Uh, I, they're not making me pay rent, which is amazing. Um, they're, you know, and, and they're just really, really supportive. Like they were texting me all weekend, asking me how I was doing, and like they were like F5ing Twitter to like make sure it was refreshing so they could see. Uh, and they're just really supportive and loving. And uh, I'm just pretty privileged that, I, that I'm able to just play a ton of Magic. And then I was kind of not really doing that well. I was kind of on a slump for like six months, and I was like, okay, now it's time to get a job. Uh, <laughs> But here we are, and I'm qualified for the next three Pro Tours, so. What are, so you get, oh, you get three Pro Tour qualifications. It's not just like the next one. Interesting. Yeah, so this is actually Grand Prix Ghent. They changed the system. So now it's no longer, it was the Pro Tour, then it was the Mythic Championship. That system is scrapped. It wasn't a success. Yeah. Uh, it's now the Players Tour. So it's yeah. going to be a, re, it's a regional Pro Tour. Let's just say PT. Because it's oh, the, that's they, right. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, it's so like how a, it works yeah. is that there's three yeah. regions. There's Asia, uh americas and europe so there's going to be uh i think three or four times a year a pt at each one of those locations right and then those the best performers at each of those pts the regional pts feed into a pt finals and that's kind of like a 120 person super pt it's like the you know, world which yeah. No, yeah and and no platinum pro is qualified no gold pro is qualified uh, i think hall of famers are still qualified for the regional ones and i don't know about the, the finals uh basically the only people locked for the pt finals right now are the Grand Prix Ghent winners, myself and the MPL. Um, so that, that's gonna be pretty exciting. And then all PT finals competitors then qualify for the next regional PT. So I am qualified for the regional PT in Phoenix, Arizona in February, the PT finals that feeds into, and then the, the, the next regional PT after that for the, I can go to any of them. but of So course you I'm can dream crush somebody uh, if you win the, uh, the um, one in Arizona. Uh, well, yeah, I, I don't know. They haven't exactly released the the the, the point system. How it's gonna work? Um, yeah. 
but yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll see. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I think one of your questions you, you asked is, sorry, you, you had a question that you, I, you about the PT, right? Um, Nate, it was going to, yeah, it was going to be like as a primarily eternal player, you know, what are your goals for the pro tour? But now you're not a primarily eternal player. And maybe now our question should be, how are you practicing for the pro tour? Are you using arena? Are you? Uh, be well, playing? I'm a magic player. People always say like, I had I someone time, one time said that they think my range is more limited than any person that plays magic, basically that they know. And I was just like, I, that, I don't know. Like the difference who says that, this kind of stuff to people either, by the way. Yeah, it's kind of <laughs> weird. But uh, the thing is, is what people don't understand is that I play a certain archetype, which is Dark Ritual Storm in both Legacy and Vintage, at a pretty high level. I, I have done very well in both formats with that deck, um, especially in Legacy. That doesn't mean that I'm not good at other formats. That yeah. Being good at one thing sure. doesn't decrease your skill in another thing. The difference is, is that I'm not winning Grand Prix in Modern and Limited, but I still play a ton of them. I have a ton of Modern trophies. I've top 16 a lot of PTQs. You know, I haven't quite cracked the top 8 in Standard and Modern, but I play more Modern and Standard and everything than I play Legacy. I just might... Mo- just being successful legacy doesn't make me bad at other formats. So, um, yeah, maybe Arena. I gotta get, I, sorry, I gotta get on a bit of a soapbox here. I'm sorry. I mean, I've heard <laughs> this. You're not the only person who said like someone came up to me and said this thing. I'm like, you know, and I, it's like on one hand, I sort of respect someone for insulting someone to their face or saying something like that, but it's also and not doing it online. But it's also like, what are you even talking about? What's what's the point of saying something like that? I think you're. What do you even it wasn't know? To my face. This it was person? an online forum. Okay. Someone told me like they came up. Someone came up to me at the Grand Prix and said, "I'm even, I'm even less uh, personable in person than I am online." And I was like, "The person <laughs> said this to you in person. Of course, you weren't nice to them in person." Like, I'm just sort of like, I was just, I don't understand why, like you said, like people have to, to do like in this community. There's so much. There's so much of that. It's like all like insecurity and just like having to like one of people like. Who cares what you're, who, what does it mean like your range? And you're, they're defining it, and they might you might think something different. Like like I probably have like a really wide range of things I could be doing at any given time in, in Magic. That doesn't you know mean anything. It's it's just like it's like an insult for the sake of being insulting. You know. Yeah, it didn't it didn't really track to me because I played Magic for a really long time and have had reasonable success in a lot of formats. Like I'm just especially good at, at, at one format. Um and. I don't know, maybe it's just the way my brain works. It's the format I used to enjoy the most, and I still do enjoy. The best games of Legacy are the games I enjoy the most. Let's be real. I mean, I, this is a little hypocritical coming from someone who plays a deck that can win on turn one. It's not fun winning or losing on turn one. It's not fun getting chaliced or chalicing someone, really. I've, I've played chalice decks. It's it's reasonably fun. But what, what's fun is the kind of the, the, the for me, is like the, the pretty interactive games. And every deck has a deck it's interactive against. Like, I know that, you know, if you play a chalice deck, you have decks that are really interesting games. Against you for Storm, I put myself in this position where the, the interesting games I play against are fair ability decks, like playing against Delver or Stoneblade or whatever, four color control. Um, and to me, that's really interesting. And so I like playing really high level legacy games where you're really trying to figure out how to evaluate your discarding cantrips based on your opponent's discarding cantrips. To me, that's the best type of magic, you know, like the old brainstorm cabal therapy thing. That's yep. just great magic to me. And I don't really like playing Storm against Eldrazi. I'm sorry, but there's something wrong with playing Eldrazi. I just don't like those games. And let's be real, the the good decks in Legacy are forcible brainstorm decks. I'm sorry, it's always been true. The best deck in Legacy is always going to be a forcible brainstorm deck, basically for like you're the last breaking 10 up. years. No, I got him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, I don't play a forcible brainstorm deck. People are like, you think Storm's the best deck in the format? And I'm like, no, I think Rug Delver is. And then I think Four Color Snow is probably the next best deck. And then probably Jeskai Mentor and then Storm. I think Storm is really good, but I think there's like 
to me, it was like, it took me like 2,000 matches before I started winning tournaments with Storm. Like, that's a, you don't need to do that with a Delver, you know? Not that Storm's the hardest thing in the world. That's a discussion. Don't with Delver. Like, I, uh, yeah. Yeah, but um, it's like, at least I <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I like Legacy, but um, I don't know. So, as far as preparing for the PT, kind of like my plan is I want to, I still want to play uh, Popper, Modern, Legacy, and Vintage. And what's really great is that Moto has the, uh, the Swiss tournaments every weekend, they have the challenges. Yeah. Uh, and so my kind of my current plan is to mostly just play the challenges and not really play leagues, except for like, you know, Eternal Weekend's coming up, GP Bologna is coming up. Maybe a few weeks in advance of those, I'll play extra Legacy or Vintage. Uh, but during the week, in my, you know, I one thing I do is I allocate time for myself to play Magic so I don't get burnt out and also so that I stick to a somewhat of a schedule. Uh, I don't always follow it to a T, but I, I try to do that. So my current plan is during the week to play some Arena, um, and then do some paper drafts because I don't really play paper magic. And one thing I am worried about is drafting at the PT level because I've never drafted Compariel, um, which is a whole different thing. If I don't know if you've ever seen it at GP, to me it's really intimidating because uh, I don't play limited Grand Prix. The only day really. twos I've ever made are limited. <laughs> yeah, they're stressful, right? It's yeah. stressful to me. It's like well, also like doesn't Arena still drafting against bots or something? Like yeah, yeah, so, you're drafting uh, against bots in Arena. One thing is, is as far as finding a P pro team. Uh, there's just not that many people qualified for this Pro Tour because the Platinum and Gold Pros did not auto-qualify for the first time in a very long time. Um, and so everyone needs... It's going to be a lot of what happens at Mythic Championship Richmond and the Arena Mythic Championship, I believe. Uh, and then, like, my best friend that's a professional Magic player is Matt Sperling, who's part of Team Ultimate Guard, which is the, the best pro team, basically. It's got everyone on it's a Hall of Famer except for Matt, basically. You know, it's got... I think it's got Reed and Huey and, like, Kai, Kai Bude was on there, too, like, tested with them, things like that. So it's like... That, I, I'm not on that team. I don't get to test with them. That's, you know, Paul Rietzel. So it's like, that's fine. But it's like, I, Matt can't necessarily test with me because he's testing with a, a separate pro team. He can't let me just have all their Yeah, you data can't have that tech. Be fair. <laughs> uh, I can't. So so I can, Matt, Matt can help me, like, coach me, but I can't test with him. Uh, and then, like, I don't know. But, like, there's a lot of Bay Area players, like a lot of Bay Area pros. I, I, I'm, you know, we see each other at tournaments. So yeah. I'm hoping that as people start to qualify for this tournament, I can find a team to test with. Um, but, you know, I... I I don't want to just be the guy who wins a Grand Prix playing Storm and then O2 drops the, the Pro Tour. I, I want to, you want to stay on the train. I want to play professional Magic. I want to play interesting games. And I'm not that. I mean, I'm not. I'm not. I'm, it's true. I'm not as good at other formats as I am at Legacy. But I also wasn't good when I started playing Legacy. You know, I used to pay for every single league that I played for like months. Uh, and then I would like. I would remember. I used to like text my girlfriend if I would. If I would. Uh, win more matches than i lost at monday night legacy basically you know like i would be like i'd be like you're not gonna believe it i tied for like third place or something and <laughs> yeah. she'd be like why are you telling me this like that's not impressive at all i come uh, home i come home sometimes and my wife would be like how'd you do i'll be like i'm bad at this game <laughs> yeah it, yeah it's like that so it's yeah so it's i don't know like i i i want to put in the reps and i want to do the best i can and you know the thing about magic is it's like you don't ever deserve to win but someone does have to win is what I was kind of thinking about this Grand Prix. Like, I don't think that I deserve to win. I played a lot, but I'm not any better than my opponents. I am not, you know, there's no match that I should just walk in and automatically win. That's not how it works. Uh, I mean, I freaking lost to Burn, which is like a great matchup on paper for Christ's sake. And that was my only loss in the Swiss. But I don't know, someone does have to win. And I have the confidence to think that it could be me. So yeah. I would, you know, I'm not expecting to go win this Pro Tour, but I would really like to make like the second day of competition. That would be great. Uh, and I, and I, I have five months prepared for it, or I guess four months now. So that's a pretty unique situation that I qualified very early for this tournament. So I get four months to kind of start to play some standard. It's going to be uh, the Theros Limited set, I believe. And they haven't announced the formats yet, but I'm going to assume it's going to be standard limited. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, 
to answer your question, I, I, I want to play professional magic and I want to stay on the pro tour and, you know, maybe I won't be able to, maybe it's going to be too tough. It's been pretty tough for me, like trying to, to do really well at limited and modern and standard. Like I haven't been doing as well as I do in legacy, but then I had to really just stop and think, I'm like, well, it wasn't like after a few months of playing legacy, I was top eight Grand Prix. you know, it yeah. was a lot of two, three leagues. I two, three all these testing for this tournament. It was a lot of frustrations and venting to my friends about how Crystal Brand sucks. Um, it it was you know it was a lot of nice just grinding moto and I I am hoping that in these next five months that I can or four months that I will be able to reach a competitive level at those formats because I'm not starting from scratch. I've played Magic for a long time and yeah. have a decent competitive mind. So I'm, I'm rambling, but I. Well, I think, yeah, I think that, like, you know, it's interesting you say, like, one of the reasons that I think, you know, you have success in Legacy is you've stuck with the deck, and you can stick with the deck, whereas in Standard, you know, things are going to change, and Limited, your deck's different every time, yeah. you know? Like, I mean, you know, there's, there's something yeah, to be said Storm about... Yeah, Storm is not magic. Almost none of the skills that you learn in Storm are applicable to other decks. That's, that is what I shoot with the deck. Because no. there's, there's, no, there's, not, there's not creatures, you know. Yeah. It's yeah. so much about his memorizing play patterns and bluffing, which is not something that happens in other formats as much. I agree. Yeah. Well, I'll, um, I'll say this. Uh, I mean, I think we we all have the the uh, utmost... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, uh, we definitely think that you're going to do well at the Pro Tour. Like, that's, you know, we, we at least feel that way. Too. You know, what's that? I have three shots at it too. It's not yeah. just my one and done. Yeah, you, I, I, I have, I have no, no doubts. You're going to, you're going to do well at, at at least one of them. But I, what I'm gonna say is, I want to, I want to ask a favor of you, uh, in the event j- to go back to you saying about going uh, O2 drop. If you think you're gonna drop, play one more round for us. Oh, I'm not gonna drop until I'm eliminated. How many pro tours do you get to play in your life? Exactly. So, yeah, that's that's the way I feel. I it's never like, drop from big tournaments until I'm you, all the way something, eliminated. Something like that. It's like you know you got to respect the seat. So if if you ever think that like you know you just like to be like I, well, I I played one more for Eternal Dirtles. I played one more round. Oh yeah, yeah, of course. I will. I I have no intent of dropping from the tournament until they make me leave. Yeah, I, I that's that's how I <laughs> feel about it. For 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 those you. of us who don't think we'll ever make the pro tour, you know. Yeah, I mean, I never thought I was going to. Like, how many freaking ways are there to make the Pro Tour playing Legacy? They just added Legacy PTQs. Yeah. It used to be you had a top eight at Grand Prix. And I'm like, well, that didn't feel like something I was ever going to do. And then it ended up, like, was it my friend, my fr- the, my kind of like the Bay Area Pro Grinder or whatever community was like, yeah, this kind of makes sense. This is the way that you would finally get on the Pro Tour, basically, is that you'd win a Legacy Grand Prix. Like, that's that's how you draw it up. And I was like, yeah, I mean, it's a dream come true. It's my, my favorite format and my favorite deck. Like, um, I don't know. I just play Storm because it's the most... Fun deck like to me legacy is an inherently casual format compared to other competitive formats it's yes. more competitive than you know edh or commander or whatever but it, it is not a format that a lot of professional magic players play and it's 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 casual in the sense that you know there's just not tons of tournaments for it so it's like i'm able to win enough with storm that it's like i just want to play the sweetest deck because when i do get to play legacy i want to cast dark rituals and do these iconic cool powerful eternal things same with vintage i play with the only deck that plays time twister because who doesn't want to play all pieces nine pieces of the power nine like that's sweet to me uh and i i've always just done well enough that i didn't see a reason that i needed to play delver except like you know when narset and karma were out i was like okay i probably should pick a more competitive deck yeah um but there are metagames where storm is probably just one of the best decks and i i think this last last weekend or whatever two weeks ago it was one of those for sure yeah obviously um, so you're playing, uh, you're going to be playing an Eternal Weekend in Vintage too, so that'll be fun. You yeah, know. I, I, I won't power, be there for Vintage. I usually have a hookup for power. I don't actually own power because I'm 23 and don't have a job. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, <laughs> what do you do? Age doesn't age help digit. you buy power. <laughs> you get yeah, power winning this Grand Prix does also. not really get me that close Unfortunately, to Unfortunately, yeah. You, you, that, it does that not get me remotely get close to buying power. <laughs> um, yeah, I, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing you again there as well. Um, yeah, I always look forward to seeing you. You're great. Kid. Boy, I was, I was thinking about, like, I was going to ask you, we're, we're an hour in. I did have one question about the actual deck, which is just like, do you think there's anything that people aren't playing that would be good against Storm? But I almost don't want to ask. Oh, now no, it's I don't want to ask this question. So I actually, in my article for Channel Fireball, I wrote about this, but I had to cut it out for word length. So there's this common rhetoric that I think was pushed by Star City Games uh, commentators that the way that you beat Storm is a disrupt is disruption plus clock. And I actually really strongly disagree with that because here's one thing. It's really hard to have the right amount of disruption and the right amount of clock. Because if you just have a clock, you're not racing the deck with Dark Rituals in there. Are you freaking kidding me? That's not how Matt Legacy works. You're like, oh, I'm going to play a turn one Delver. You're dead in seven turns. That, that, yeah. that, that does not race Storm. Uh, that's why Blue Red Delver is not good against Storm, for example, or you know Elves or whatever, Burn. Uh, you don't just race Storm by winning on turn three or four. Uh, and also, it's hard to have the right amount of disruption because Storm is so good against counter magic. So people always think, I got a turn one Delver and I have forcible backup can't lose this game. You know what turn one Delver plus forcible backup means to me? It means you played your land, that's one card. You played your Delver, that's two cards. You have your forcible, that's three cards. And you have blue card, that's four cards. You're on the play, you just mold a three, basically, against Storm. You know, like, th that's one way to think about it, I guess, the thoughts these days. So I think the way that you beat Storm is you have to stop them from playing magic. Because what makes Storm powerful is that it plays 24 cards that cost one mana. And those include 12 cantrips and eight discard spells. And it has four paths to victory. It can win with ad nauseum, pass and flames, Tutor Chain and Tendrils of Agony or Add to the Warren's Postboard. So what makes Storm powerful is that you thought sees your opponent, you see what their hand can be. So maybe they have Graveyard Hate, maybe they have a Sweeper, maybe they have a bunch of, uh, they have a Stifle, so you can't Tutor Chain, right? Um, and so you you take the card that you can't beat, which is often a Forcible, and then you, you follow the path of least resistance. So usually someone is not able to shut you off all four paths to victory against Storm. That's why people are always like, well, I don't even think Surgical or Grafdigger's Cage or, you know, Engineering Explosives for Sweeper or whatever are good against Storm. That's not true. Storm just does a really good job of making you think your cards suck because it has information asymmetry and it's going to take the path of least resistance. So the way that you beat Storm is you prevent them from choosing their path. So if you're just a regular deck, you have to just shut off as many paths as you can. But if you're a deck, like the cards that are really good against Storm, like Chalice Floyd, Counterbalance, yeah. uh, combinations of permanent-based hate that Storm can't discard, because guess what? Like Storm is an engine-based deck. You don't beat the engine by getting in front of the car. You beat an engine by jamming something into the engine and making it so it doesn't fucking work anymore. So if people really want to beat Storm, what they should be doing is playing more counterbalances. Uh, no rods, grafters, cages are effective to a certain degree. Um, definitely more effective than something like Surgical Extraction or, or Fluster Storm. Um, but yeah, so just you, know, you really want to play permanent-based hate and um, Wasteland, wow, that card is good against Storm. People always, I, I know people that board out Wasteland against Storm. That is fucking un, sorry, freaking unreal. <laughs> we on our podcast. <laughs> I lose um, to that card more than any card in Legacy. Because Storm plays 15 lands. And they're like, we well, just fetch basics. And I'm like, yeah, I wish it was that easy. I could just fetch basics my four-color combo deck every time. Like, you know what's good about Wasteland is you waste on your Underground Sea and suddenly my engine shut off. I can't cast Ponder. I can't cast my thought seizes. So yeah. my advice to someone, people, is don't try to. You're not going to be. You're not. You're not going to race storm. You're not going to out disruption the eight discard twelve cannon trip deck with nine threats. You know, the, how you beat storm is you. You put a wrench in the engine. So, um, yeah. I, I got to be honest with you though. I was when you were the first half of your of your answer. I was gonna. I was gonna respond by saying, yeah, like I wastelanded my storm opponent three times in a row yesterday, and they just played a swamp and went dark ritual, dark ritual, dark ritual, and killed me. Oh yeah, well that um, happens. That's the thing about storm. Yeah. It's, a, it's a fucked up deck. Yeah. 
I, I was actually kind of wondering about, yeah, I was like, it's hard to, and I was thinking about that, the, the, the wider idea about mana denial with so many efficient spells. That was probably just luck on their part. That they part of it is being, is being logical, too. Yeah, like, yeah. people always say, like, I don't think this card is good against Storm because I played against Storm and they beat it. That's, that, let's be real. That's not logical. Talk with your well, Storm. I would, I would never. That's results-based thinking. That's, that's I would never. Yeah, I would that's never not what you're saying. Right now, but people do yeah, say yeah. that. Yeah. People, um, people do say that. Um. So just talk with your Storm opponent and be like, hey, what cards are good against you? Like, one card that's insane against Storm is Red Elemental Blast. And people are like, what are you going to do? Counter your cantrips? And you're like, yeah, fuck yeah, you're going to counter your cantrips. That's actually really good. Like, I know Brian Braun doing Force of Wills every Brainstorm Stormcast. And he's like, you know what? If you just fucking have the kill, you're going to kill me. But you're also going to thought these this Force of Wills. I'm just going to Force of Will your Brainstorm. So I think the best way to attack Storm is generally on its cantrips. Like, that's one reason Narset's insane. Because if they get to cat, they play more cantrips than any deck in the format. They play 12. If they get to cast their cantrips, they're just going to find what they need to win the game. Like, I know in the Swiss, I thought, sees my opponent, and this is not like table one, we're like 11 or something. And they're like, my hand's really good, game one. And they were like, I never lose a storm. And their hand was like three forces, two dazes, and a spell snare. And I was just like, yeah, my hand's really good too. And then I won the game. And it's like, because I just cast, because they didn't have a creature. It's like, so you, really what you need to do is a way to make storm not play magic, basically, which is like wasteland, null rod to a degree, things like that. So. Do you ever consider that one of the things that's interesting is what about that in particular interaction was that uh, the, your, your opponent had the disruption in no clock. And obviously, like I, as anyone who's played a lot of legacy knows, dying with force of will in your hand against storm happens all the time. Either don't know when the right spell is going to be or, you know, you or you, like, let me not die with it in your hand. But like um, you didn't realize what was going to happen or you know what I mean? Um was there, is there ever any sort of metagame where, where Storm would switch to playing against the board versus playing against the hand? Because I think one of the reasons that counter countermatch doesn't just save you against Storm is that it's built to beat it. You know, it's got eight discard spells. You know, it's got Bale of Summer even. Um, well, I don't think that maybe... Tendo's Bagony, Passive Flames are inherently yeah. powerful against counter Power, Passive Flames is what I was... Yeah, sorry, not Bale. So you're asking Pass- if there's metagames where Storm plays more answers to permanent base hate, or...? Yeah, if you would ever, if you would ever like, just to consider not playing, the, like not not that you should now. I'm just saying, like, what would it look like if like Storm didn't play the discard and, and instead went after the stuff on board? Is that something um, possible? Yeah, I mean, also the thing is to clarify my previous point: a clock plus disruption is still better than neither Nothing. or you know another beach. It's still it's still important. I just think that's not the way that if you want to beat Storm, that's not how you beat Storm. Those hands beat Storm's bad hands. Like for me, when I play a fair blue deck and I play against Storm and I get there with like a Delver and a Forceful, I'm like, wow, I got really fucking lucky that my opponent did not try any good cards. Um, <laughs> so, uh, I mean, have you seen my sideboard? My sideboard has two Abrupt Decays, two Chain of Vapors, two Hercules Recalls, two Echoing Truths, and a Massacre. Right. And my question is like, would you have, what would it look like if Storm put that, those kinds of cards in the main deck and put the yeah, Storm, Storm main deck Abrupt Decay when top is legal. I, that was when I had the most success with Storm. <laughs> yeah, some people still main deck Abrupt Decay. Um, yeah. The problem is is that, so the reading thing about discard spells is that a very interesting puzzle in Storm is getting Hellbent. And discard is really unique in that it's only a single black mana, so you can easily get Hellbent after casting a ritual. And also you can target yourself with Thoughtseize. And it's also just really efficient. So the problem with a card like Abrupt Decay is if it, it, it falls in this camp of cards that are really good if you always draw Lion's Eye Diamond. Storm the deck is a really good deck if you always draw Lion's Eye Diamond. Right. So my main problem with main deck and color card. cards uh, that don't have targets necessarily is that you need to have a target for your... You need to be able to get Hellbent if you don't draw Lion's Eye Diamond. Uh, and you can do things like Abrupt Decay or Lotus Petal using Lotus Petal to pay, which I'm pretty positive works. Um, so th- that happens, but it, it still is, you know... It, the deck is really built in terms of like an engine where you really need to uh, to churn through your hand and then you, you change... I brought in Abrupt Decay against basically every deck. 
So I noticed that, like, I, I was actually surprised it came in against Delver, but like, and then I played and I realized you kind of have to kill Delver sometimes. Cause yeah, I killed Delver, Null Rod, Cage, Counterbalance. Yeah. I think it's just um, like, it, if it didn't kill Delver, it wouldn't be worth it, but it's just a hedge. Yeah. Well, I, I basically, it, every yeah. matchup I try to port in two decays that is that has reasonable targets, right? I'll burn in abrupt decay against the mirror or sneak and show, but you, you know what I mean. Those are matchups that well, as a plays, yeah. <laughs> as a person who plays a lot of non-blue decks, the thing I always hear is, well, you just lose every combo deck. Like, that's not all, that's not necessarily true. You especially don't lose to Storm if your deck has like Thalia and Wasteland in it all the time. <laughs> like you're gonna beat Storm a fair amount of times. Um and I noticed when I played your deck, because I did actually test Storm for the Grand Prix, and maybe I should have gone with it. Um, was that I just ranched every blue deck, like like you said, six zero, and that's me. Like I just I just like basically like woke up, I was like I'll try Storm. I'm just gonna download Cyrus's thing and see what it does. And like before I know it, I was three oh six though, and I messaged you. I was like I can't believe this is happening. And then I played against a Chalice deck, and then a deck with both Narset and Karn. And then you're like, oh yeah, this is, why, this is why people don't. This is why oh oh yeah yeah. This is why this is why he stopped playing. Is I understand that now. Well, here's yeah. my one piece of advice. If I could give one piece of advice to everyone who plays Storm, is that this is the reason I'm not a huge fan of tests, right? Is the problem is that people try to win the game, right? They're like, they're like, I'm just going to get all these rituals and these LEDs, and I'm just going to fucking make my opponent have it. I hear that all the time. People are like, if you have a turn one kill, just go for it. Make your opponent have it. Like, all these situations. You shouldn't just always make your opponent have it, because it's legacy. There, there's a lot of cantrips and a lot of counterspells in this format. People are going to have it. That's how it works. The thing is, is that you should just basically never try to win the game against blue decks, and then the game develops to a point where the only option is that you do have to win the game, right? You become dead on board. You just have a hand that's unbeatable. So I almost always, if I ponder and I see like an LED, a Cabal ritual, and a Dark ritual, and I don't have any rituals in my hand, I'm just like, all right, fucking shuffle that away. Because the deck is 31 out of 60 cards in the deck, make mana. You're going to naturally draw mana with every draw step, and then you just want to get in a position in the game where you have the exact right amount of to win, and you want the majority of your draws to be disruption for whatever your opponent's strategy is. Yeah. So my, my advice is, again, people always ask me, how do you beat Delver? Well, just don't play your cards in a daze. Yeah, people are like, You're people not are like I don't like abrupt decay <laughs> against wasteland decks because I abrupt decay something and they wasteland me. Well, then just don't wasteland. Just don't abrupt decay their thing until you need to. My advice to people is that that's one reason I like Storm is that when it's time to win, it becomes pretty clear. Just don't ever. Try, oftentimes, don't try to win. It's like playing a control deck, you know. The more draw steps you get, is the better. And I think that's. I'm just trying to see if I could find your section Let's, here for Rug Delver. I mean, your yeah, advice do, uh, leans on knowing that you're not going to die that turn, right? Yeah, well, it never Which gets better against part of yeah, against, against, against non-blue decks. You should just fucking try to kill them. Yeah, minus this one ad nauseum. That was the thing that that is like, yeah, like the decks called ad nauseum tendrils. It's really passive flames. The, the way I play storm is, can I cast passive flames this turn? And most people cannot just cannot beat a passive flames. You know, yes, yeah, especially if you like, like know the floor of that card. Is, like sometimes people are like, wow, you got really lucky. You cast passive flames and you found then you cast three cantrips and a discard spell and you found a way to win the game. And I'm like, yeah, that's yeah, I mean, I, I cast three fucking ponders like i got to see 12 <laughs> or nine cards or whatever it is no, 12 cards yeah i found one of my nine ofs in 12 cards you're right yeah yeah i drew 15 when i when i uh when i when i made my graveyard my hand yeah it turned out to be really good yeah people are like because i always i never i always go for it with just passive flames and cantrips like in the time that my winning and i freaking just went passive flames cast period i know i win like People don't do that enough, but yeah. Yeah, they uh, don't. They don't. I, I, I mean, go minus I, one ad nauseum, minus one dark petition, minus one pass and flames. The logic being that by the time that you can cast ad nauseum through soft permission, your life total is likely to be fairly low because they are a creature-based strategy, Delver Secrets uh, decks. And then uh, minus one pass flames because people just do bring in things like cage and surgical. I, I usually board out. People always ask me, they're like, you always board out one pass and flames. Uh, why do you just why why don't you just not play two of them? And I'm like, 
because people don't play surgical extraction game one. Is that a real question? Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's true. The only time you're going to see passive flames eat at game one is if your opponent has a crop rotation deck. Yeah, and, and then, you know. then uh, we're at one Dark Petition just because Dark Petition can be a little crummy against Spell Piercing Days um, if you're low resource. But also, like, in the finals, I know that, like, uh, in game three, I was looking at my opponent's deck list, and then I took one card on my sideboard, boarded it back in, and they were like, oh, God, is that the Xanon Swarm? It was the Dark Petition because I saw they had two Spell Snares. So, you know, you'd be flexible with it. Uh, and yeah. then I boarded the two Decays in the Empty because Delver can't ever beat eight Goblins, basically, as which is what happened in the finals. Right, and I, I think that was the. I, I wish we talked a lot, and I'm gonna let you go. I just, I just wanted to close by saying, like, it's interesting. You know, I don't play a lot of Storm, but for a while I did. For like a month, I played a lot of Storm, and I did okay with it. And it's it's one of those things where it's like when your opponents at when your opponents playing Storm, and you're like, oh, I lose. But you kind of like have to watch to see if they realize you lose. And there's so many times where someone's like, I just my goal in playing Storm is to cast Ad Nauseam, and now I'm casting Ad Nauseam. Like, yep, you would have definitely killed me with the card Pass the Flames or Empty the Warrens. Like, yeah, and it's always kind of I frustrating think. when that still beats you. So, it still gets there like 95% of the time instead of 100% of the time, but it's always a little frustrating. You're like, oh god damn it! I actually was gonna say it's the opposite. Usually, like if someone if if like you know someone goes for ad, uh, very often going for Ad Nauseam because you're like that's what I'm gonna do. And then, like, they've done it because of, it might be a situation where they've done it, and I'm like, you have no land drop left. And I yeah, sometimes people are like, crack know? two LEDs, use two pedals, no land drop left, no mana floating, ad nauseum, I'm going to win the game. And I'm like, uh. <laughs> yeah. I know. It's, it's, it's just like, you know, Passive Flames is a great card, and you're built to be blue decks instead of being scared of them, which is the interesting part about it, is that they're just like, I'm gonna play, I can't play a combo deck. I just want I just want to eat it to Force of Will. Like, you will never eat it to Force of Will with Storm if you, yeah. you know. It's a pretty big level up when you realize how to beat Delver with Storm. Like, for a while, I thought the matchup was impossible. And then one day, I was just like, I'm just not going to cast any my fucking spells. Because people people see a turn one Delver, and they're like, oh, I got to start casting things. I'm dead. I got to play into this days. A 3-2 is not actually that fast of a clock. And if they have to tap out for Tarmogoyf, so they have two creatures, their clock, they don't have spell yourself. So then you can cantrip, you know? Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah that that is definitely one also, thing. Also, you get to cantrip every turn during your draw step. And that's the yeah. best part. <laughs> yeah, people just you don't talk about like, if you draw a new card every turn. I think but yeah. people are like, this hand's unkeepable. And I'm like, you get to draw a new card every turn of the game. That's the best part about trading card games. Every turn, there's a new one in your hand. <laughs> you talked about playing Dark Ritual and letting them counter it. Uh, yeah, I, I actually cast Dark Ritual and passed twice in this in the finals of the Grand Prix. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's Dark Ritual. Okay. You know. Scary magic card. Yeah. I put a counter at one of the times. Um, well... It's very like an hour and a half in, so. Uh, yeah, I yeah. know. I have yeah. the, the gift of gab, is what my grandma says. <laughs> I, just can talk. I really dig it. Positive and a negative. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on, Cyrus. I know you're coming on with a lot of people, but um, you know we appreciate you made time for us as well. Yeah, and I think talked about and talked about this angle of it because it was you know really you know you know everyone was so happy for you and I just it was great to see. So. Yeah, I remember the first time. I think I think this was the first podcast I ever came on. It might have been Leaving Legacy, um, like about a year ago. It was over the summer. You messaged me and you're like, "Hey, you want to come on and talk about the deck?" And it was after we met at the CFB event. And I remember I spent so long working on like a Google Doc of like what I wanted to talk about because I was so nervous to to come on. I was like, "Oh, I don't want them to like think I'm dumb." And then I was like, "I really want to know exactly what I'm going to say." So yeah, I really su- appreciate all the support y'all have always given me. And you know, you're all very positive people in the community <laughs> and make. When I was talking about negative, toxic people earlier, you were definitely none of you are them. And so I always appreciate the work that you do for Legacy and the opportunities that you've given to both me and you know Michael Clifford, Eric Virgo, good friends of mine. So yeah. you have a great podcast. Thank you. And Thanks, I think man. one of the, the funny thing is I remember that CFB tournament 
because I had gone because we had just I just met it was my first time I think meeting Eric in person and um and uh you were like oh I've seen you stream you're Cyrus uh, I'm Cyrus CG and I was like oh yeah because it's such a it's such a memorable name on Magic Online and I was like oh yeah this guy plays a lot of Storm and then like you won the tournament <laughs> and I was yeah, like, I, I told I told Zach and I feel like I just met this guy I know he I know he grinds a lot of Magic I know he's grinds a lot of Storm and he just won the CFU 4K which get him on. And you came on and just, it's been amazing, like just insane to watch what's happened since then. Like, I remember you saying, like, I was nervous, I made a Google Doc, and like, and now you're just like a pro, and it's just been this crazy rise. You know, that was last. Literally a pro week. now. Yeah, right. <laughs> but I think that was yeah, last I, have, March. Uh, I think it was I March 2018. That long. I had, Michael and I basically started playing Storm after Top got banned, so that's yeah. not that long relatively to how long people have played. Like, Brian's played the deck since 2004 or whatever, you know, yeah. like. 15 years that's that's like i was eight years old at the time that's when i started playing magic at, at all so yeah, yeah it's, it's been a pretty crazy thing it just i don't know i just keep getting kind of i feel like i put in a lot of work and then i keep getting you know it's like uh, my buddy matt sperling has like top 83 pts and he doesn't play that much magic he's, it's not his full-time job and i'm always just like dude how do you fucking top eight all these pts if you don't play magic full-time And he's like well here's the secret is that everyone's gonna get lucky at a certain number of tournaments i just get lucky at all the ones i go to and I don't go to that. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I should see that. That's smarter. So, have you talked? Have you seen Eric since he's been back? Uh, no. We want to record a podcast soon, but he, I've seen pictures of him, the crazy mountain man. But yeah. Oh, I think I think uh, Zach might see him if he. I, think I might. I might go down to SCG Philly, and I, I hear he's going to be there. So I, I'm so see. excited to talk to him uh, yeah. about his journey and everything. So. Um, you know, it's just been it's just been, been great, you know, meeting both of you. I guess that was a roundabout way of saying it. it was great to meet both of you and, and uh, meeting all the people we have through through you. And uh, we appreciate that you reciprocated your our you know you know our support with support of your own. And, you know, that's really that really means a lot. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> um, I think we have a patron, a new patron. We do. Uh, we uh, Benjamin Passiano. Thank you so much. Thanks for jumping on. Yep. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, if, if you guys want more content like this, uh, you know, it always helps to uh, have us, uh, you know, a- a- add something to the pod, as it were. It helps me and Nate and Phil uh, spend some time uh, outside of uh, work getting getting stuff uh, ready for the cast. So, you know, thank you to all, our, all of our patrons uh, as well. And uh, I don't know. I think uh, th- that's pretty much it for us tonight. Uh, Cyrus, thanks so much for coming on. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, uh, and thanks everyone for listening. Thanks, Cyrus. Thank you, Peyton. Thank you, team. Thanks, have everybody. A, have a great week. Have a good week. Where does he get those wonderful toys?